Hello and welcome to Wineskins, a program featuring reflections on the lives of the saints and the sacred scriptures, along with a variety of topics and issues from a Catholic perspective. I'm your host, Father Jim Corda. Our show is sponsored by the annual Diocesan Appeal, the Catholic Communication Campaign, and St. Paul's Catholic Books and Gifts, a division of the Society of St. Paul. On our show today, I will interview Father Ed Brenz on Cafe Augustine. We will also hear more about the life of St. Maria Christina of the Immaculate Conception and the readings for this fifth Sunday of Lent. That and more on Wineskins. In our current issue, we will hear from Rick Squire. With me again is Rick Squire, who is the Executive Director of Catholic Charities for both Portage and Stark Counties here in the diocese. Welcome back to Wineskins. Thank you, Father. You know, I had a pleasure with you last time you were here on Wineskins and getting to know the wonderful work of Catholic Charities in Portage and Stark Counties, but also getting to know you and your ministry. What I'd like us to focus on today is the annual diocesan appeal. It's been called many things throughout the history of our many years in the Diocese of Youngstown, but one of the main benefactors of the appeal is Catholic Charities. Why is it important for us to fund with our treasure the work of charity? Well, thank you for the question. And it is, it's crucial to our agency as we reach out and we help those in need. We help people with rent assistance, with utility payments, and that's directly most of what we get is from the diocesan appeal. It is our direct source of income. And without that, we wouldn't be able to help all of the people in our two counties and really throughout the diocese through the other agencies as well. It is how we exist, essentially, as Catholic charities. You know, what's interesting is, is I talk often about Catholic charities and in these interviews, the one thing that keeps coming up in the back of my mind is, why do we have such a great need not only in the church, but in the world. You know, there are people that are hungry, there's people that are thirsty, there's people that are starving, there's people unfed, there's people who do not have adequate shelter or clothing. Why do we live in this kind of world? That's an answer that I don't know where we're going to find. But why is it important for us as Christians, as people who follow the Lord, to try to meet those particular needs? Right. I, I think that's a wonderful question. We're called on by Christ to help those to feed the hungry, to house the homeless, to clothe the, the naked. It's one of the basic commands, I think, of our Lord is to reach out and do these things. And there are the funds in the community to go out and do this. As much as there is terrible strife, there is also tremendous abundance. And I think we're called to kind of help each other with that abundance and solve some of the world's problems. Maybe not all the world's problems, but one person's world's problems at least. You know, it's interesting as you were talking, the one thing that came readily to mind was the place in the Acts of the Apostles where the people brought their gifts and their mm -hmm. treasures and laid them at the feet of the apostles who then distributed them to those who were most in need. And that's really kind of the work of charity. But it would be nice if we did that all the time and there would be no one in need. But unfortunately, that's not the world that we live in. But also when we talk about Catholic charities, we see that that need continues to grow more and more. How does specifically 
the annual appeal help those most in need? Those most in need have a basic problem of meeting needs and utility payments and rent payments. And as a charity, we are called on by them to basically help. People call us on a daily basis and ask for assistance with basic emergent needs of utilities and housing and food. And those are the things that we supply. And we, on a weekly basis, write checks for utilities and checks for housing and offer food to people that come to our offices. It's what we do and it's how we serve in the name of the church, really, in the name of the parishioners in the pews. We do the work for them, which is humbling at times. And Mm -hmm. we also invite them to come and serve with us as well. And you don't discriminate between like Catholic or non-Catholic. It's whoever comes that's in need, you help. Correct. We never ask, are you Catholic? Have you attended Mass? None of that, because that's not what we're called to do. We're just called to help. We help those that come and we help those that ask us, and that satisfies what we're called to do. I would imagine that there are people all around the diocese who volunteer their time and their talent besides their treasure at the actual agencies. How and what can they do, and who do they contact if they're interested? Any one of our three locations. We have a Canton office, a Ravenna office, and our adult day services in Louisville. And we readily welcome anybody that wants to volunteer with us. And there are a variety of different things that they can do at our adult day services program. They can lead discussions and play cards and bunco. We've got volunteers that come in and do that. At either of our offices, we need help in our food pantries. In our Ravenna office, our volunteers actually interface and connect with those that show up and ask for food. They're the ones that actually serve them and pack the food for them and deliver it to them. So there are a variety of different things that they can do in each one of our locations. And we welcome people to come and minister with us. Rick Squire, Executive Director of Portage and Stark Counties for Catholic Charities here in the Diocese of Youngstown. Thank you for being a good steward of the parishioners' money and treasure that they give to the annual Dawson Appeal. And thank you for meeting the needs of so many people throughout those two counties and beyond. Thank you so much. For Wineskins, I'm Father Jim Corda. On the Feast of St. Maria Christina of the Immaculate Conception, we will hear more about this holy woman from Brother Dominic Calabro. He is from the Society of St. Paul in Canfield. Maria Christina of the Immaculate Conception was born in Naples on May 1, 1856, and was baptized that same day in the Church of St. Liborio, She received her first Holy Communion on December 8, 1864, and on December 25, 1868, at just 12 years of age, she made a vow of perpetual virginity. Her wish was to be a victim consecrated entirely to the Lord, as well as a maternal mediator between Jesus and humanity. She felt called to the consecrated life and expressed her desire to enter the Sisters of the Blessed Sacrament in Naples. In 1856, she received the religious habit and took the name Sister Maria Christina of the Immaculate Conception. Sister Maria Christina saw in the Eucharistic Jesus the victim perennially sacrificed to his father in reparation and expiation. She felt her place was to be near the tabernacle to offer herself with Jesus in the host, victim of reparation and perennial expiation. Of great help and comfort to her were Saint Ludvigo and the servant of God, Michelangelo Longo. 
on November 22, 1884, at the invitation of the provost and canon and secretary of state to His Holiness, Pope Pius XII, Sister Maria Cristina moved to the property in Caesarea with her sisters, and then to the present mother house on Via Diana, where she built a magnificent shrine to the Blessed Sacrament. On August 16, 1903, the Religious Institute took the official name Sisters Expiatory Victims of Jesus and the Blessed Sacrament. The congregation which she founded is dedicated to the perpetual adoration of the Blessed Sacrament and promotion of divine worship, the education of poor girls and boys, catechesis and teaching, nurseries and childcare, and various other works of charity. Sister Maria Christina died on the morning of January 20th, 1906, having received the sacraments. She is beatified by John Paul II on April 27, 2003, and was canonized on March 17, 2015, by Pope Francis. For Wineskins, I'm Brother Dominic Calabro from the Society of St. Paul. Joining me again is Father Ed Brenz. Welcome back to Wineskins. Thank you. You know, we're going to talk about Cafe Augustine. I remember many, many years ago when you came to CTNY and we did a interview with the folks from New Orleans, Cafe Reconcile, and how excited they were to tell their story, but how excited you were to begin this Cafe Augustine here in the Diocese of Youngstown. So you, as its founder, tell us how they're doing right now. Well, the Holy Spirit's at work. When we went to New Orleans, we thought we were going to be helping them. We went after Hurricane Katrina. We took groups of volunteers, hundreds from this diocese alone, and we discovered an operation like what we are doing now in New Orleans ahead of us, and that was called Cafe Reconcile. They were very generous because the concept is it's a local cafe that is nonprofit and works to bring young people into the workforce with the skills, not just necessarily the technical skills of baking and cooking and serving, but the soft skills, as we call them in human resources, the people skills. Showing up on time, being pleasant even when it's difficult, following directions and working as a team, all these type of things that a lot of our young people grow up missing these days. And so it took us a while to get it off the ground. We're in our, we've been over eight years now that we're going, and we're in the front of a library. We're in the prime real estate there. We're considered a learning center is why we fit in a library. And we pay rent, and we pay our taxes, and we follow every health inspection that comes up. And at the same time, we've had over 450 young people over these years come through our doors for whatever it is that they needed to get launched in life. We don't require everybody to study to become food service worker. We have truck drivers, retail people, folks working technical. They've gone on to apprenticeships and electricians and masonry work, auto body repair, all sorts of things, warehousing. The fact of the matter is there are certain skills that our young people need that are necessary for good, productive lives. And it fits very, very well with the notion of being all that God has created a person to be. And so what we get to do is be family. And so instead of offering high-skilled and highly technical counseling or medical service or all of that, there's people that do that very, very well from perspectives that are helpful to the faith. But what we do is kind of like family in a neighborhood community setting. 
And so a lot of our young people with a work permit, they can start working after school or on weekends at age 15, and we go up into the 20s with it. And if they come from an environment that doesn't let them necessarily sleep well at night, or maybe there's no running water, maybe there's uh, bad influences, perhaps criminal influences where they're living at the moment, we have a transition house. It's an old mansion that we took over and and generous donors have helped us to, to acquire. And we have a transition house where they can rent their first apartment. That way they have a supportive environment that there's no reason to be out all night with one's friends if one's friends aren't. I tell our young people, you want to know your future? Look who your friends are because that's the best sign of it. And we teach them things like yes means yes and no means no. And if you make a commitment, you learn to keep it. And guess what? Next time you run into those same people you committed to, hey, they respect you and you have integrity. These are all values of the family that we teach. We've got many, many happy returns. I tell our folks that work at the cafe, the best thing they can do, I know I'm successful when they come back as a paying customer instead of my employee. We don't want them here always and forever because I want them to get a better job than I can afford to give them right now. But it's, it's a really neat place. We partner with the senior citizens agencies, and so the seniors get a, a fantastic discount. There's one agency in the Valley that gives them, it's been three years running now, they give them seven meals a month. And all they have to do is meet a means test. And so we have the flavor of the inner city as well as the suburbs. We have people from all income strata Folks will come in for a business meeting or a luncheon. We've had families reuniting and coming there. We work with courts, the mental health agencies, the high schools, the parishes, all these sorts of places. Private employers will call us up and say, would you hire this person for a month or two? And then when they come back, they'll be better employees for what we need in our business. And that's what we do at Cafe Augustine. Mm. Eight years now, going strong. Well, let's certainly hope that that continues because you have touched the lives of so many people. And I think it's important that we as church, as a community, are interested in the lives of young people. So many young people do get kind of like forgotten or left behind. And it's really important for us to bring them in to be part of a productive working society. Forgotten is a very mild word. We have folks who are, have been emancipated, that is to say, their parents have turned them out of the house legally at age 14. Imagine being on the streets at age 14. We have some that have had to live in houses with horrendous drug abuse going on, criminality of all sorts going on, and to adapt to the environment just to survive. It's a whole new world when they're treated with respect. Our cafe is is a beautiful place. The public library gives us good quarters in there that we rent. It's probably the nicest place any of our folks are in, as nice or nicer than the public schools that have just been rebuilt. And it's a place of respect in that. I've had people come in. They look at our staff. They look at our young folks. They say, where did you find all these bright and, and eager young people? And I says, they didn't come in with this mindset. I says, they come in, each one of them, a little bit wounded. And even our volunteers come in because they understand what it is to be wounded. And so we kind of look at our cafe as perhaps wounded healers. And I feel so good when they refer a younger brother or sister or cousin to our program because right now we've got some that are over, of our folks have graduated, they're over 30, and they're sending teenagers in our way. 
and they tell the teenagers specifically, now, don't you be late like I was. Or they'll say, uh, follow the directions, or guess what? Somebody else will do that, and they want your job. And so we teach them all this kind of neat stuff, and they come back, and it's just, I feel so good about it, kind of like the prodigal son. For the folks that are with us, Tell us exactly again where Cafe Augustine is located and how they can come to celebrate with you. Certainly. We're at 3730 Market Street. That's the corner of Market and Midlothian. We're in the front of the Newport Library Building. We're right in the library building. Just come on out there anytime. The buses run that direction. There's a great big parking lot. It's a handicap access. And at the same time, when you come in, there's a really friendly atmosphere with music. And a lot of the folks take an interest in our customers. So come on in and meet some new friends. We'd love to see you. Father Ed Bren, executive director and founder of Cafe Augustine. I've been there many times. It's a wonderful place. And if you are on a diet, do not eat the donuts, but they are wonderful. And we do catering by appointment. Thank you very much for your service. For Wineskins, I'm Father Jim Corda. To receive more information and to listen to Wineskins, visit the website of the Catholic Diocese of Youngstown at www doy.org. Stay with us. We'll be back in a moment. The annual diocesan appeal, One in Hope, One in Mission, is the primary activity of raising funds to help the clients of Catholic charities throughout the Diocese of Youngstown, as well as supporting the many ministries and activities of our diocesan church. This year's goal is $4 million. While that seems like a very vast amount, It is an attainable goal when everyone throughout our diocesan community recognizes the way in which God has blessed them and offers whatever resources possible, coming from all of our parishes across our six counties, to truly be a people of charity, a people of hope, a people of mission. I thank you for your gift to the annual appeal, and I hope that together we might all continue to be one in hope and one in mission, building up the life of the church and building up the presence of Christ for all in need. God bless you. Our song today is by Stacy Burt and Father Bob Lenderich. It is from their CD entitled, What Wondrous Love, Songs for Lenten Journey. Redemption's here where your blood
Our scripture reflections for this fifth Sunday of Lent will be by Father Scott Kopp. He is pastor of Christ the Servant Church in Canton. I vividly remember how I felt those first few nights of college in the dorms. I had been away many times before for camping trips and Boy Scout weekends. Yet now, it was a whole new way of life, a new living situation. I had just finished a summer job that was filled with loving people and close friends. Now, overnight, I was alone with all new people to meet, and oh, how I was homesick. I was reminded by loved ones at home that this would pass, and I would get used to the new situation, but that really didn't help in the present moment. Knowledge of a future happiness did not help, as much as I thought it would or hoped it would. And oh, how my parents must have wept, not knowing what to do and not being able to fix it. Perhaps this can give us an insight into Jesus' way of thinking at the beginning of the gospel. He purposely waits to travel until Lazarus has died. In an austere, objective reading, his absence is preparation for the great miracle that will come. But what must he have felt? Only a few lines later we get our answer. Jesus wept. Such a short line but full of such depth for theology and spirituality. There is such comfort in this image, especially at funerals. Untold numbers of families have found relief in the funeral intercessions when they hear us pray for the family and friends of their deceased brother or sister, that they may be consoled in their grief by the Lord who wept at the death of his friend Lazarus. There are no real words at this time that will bring instant healing. But just the thought that the Lord understands and went through this same grief can bring some comfort. We are also taught in this gospel that even friends of Christ must suffer. None of us will be free of it in this life. Lent can be a time for us to face our own helplessness. There are situations in which we truly can't do anything either for ourselves or for those around us. Soon we will come to the Feast of Easter. The raising of Lazarus has us look ahead and foreshadows the resurrection. Thomas also points in this direction when he hears of the death of Lazarus. Let us also go to die with him. This sounds extreme, but that means that we can then also rise with him. We all die and then can all be resurrected in Jesus but we still have to go through the passion and death. We still have to experience the cross. To rise, we have to die. Lent helps us to focus on this awful truth. Yet we can take comfort here as well by imaging those who stand at the foot of the cross. Mother Teresa was once asked about some volunteers who felt they were doing nothing. Her reply, what were those at the foot of the cross doing? They were simply present. And what about Jesus himself on the cross, nailed and helpless? In the garden, did he know the pain to come? Did he know of the resurrection? Did that help him endure? We will never know but can meditate upon it. But really, it was all for love of us. And that made it bearable. And what of our lives today as he sees us struggling? As friends of Christ, does he weep at our suffering? 
Does he weep at our confusion and inability to understand the purpose? Does he weep because he knows we have doubts now, and it will be okay, but we still have to suffer? It is all going to be okay in the end, but what about while we are going through it now? All our lives should be lived as a response to the love Jesus showed on the cross, to help us get through the tough times, to help us to endure, inspire us to be Christ-like, and our standing with others as well in their suffering. We may feel like we are doing nothing, but it makes all the difference to them. For Wineskins, I'm Father Scott Cobb. Our Christian faith does not offer a complete explanation to the mystery of suffering, but it does offer us an opportunity to endure it, to overcome it, and to use it for some good. Wineskins is made possible by the annual Diocesan Appeal, the Catholic Communication Campaign, and St. Paul's Catholic Books and Gifts. The program is produced by the Roman Catholic Diocese of Youngstown. I'm your host, Father Jim Corda, wishing you a blessed Sunday and a safe week. The annual Diocesan Appeal, One in Hope, One in Mission, is the primary activity of raising funds to help the clients of Catholic Charities throughout the Diocese of Youngstown, as well as supporting the many ministries and activities of our Diocesan Church. This year's goal is $4 million. While that seems like a very vast amount, it is an attainable goal when everyone throughout our Diocesan community recognizes the way in which God has blessed them and offers whatever resources possible, coming from all of our parishes across our six counties, to truly be a people of charity, a people of hope, a people of mission. I thank you for your gift to the annual appeal, and I hope that together we might all continue to be one in hope and one in mission, building up the life of the church and building up the presence of Christ for all in need. God bless you.